Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And once again, we have no Austin today. He is still on suspension, still pending that performance review. Um, So it's just going to be me here today. Uh, Not that he's really going to miss this show anyway. He always tries to worm his way out of Canton Bound anyway. But uh, right now, it's it's a little bit of a dead period in the NFL. You know, post-senior bowl, pre-combine, not a lot going on. You know, I could talk rumors and all that other kind of stuff, but you can get that pretty much anywhere. Uh, This episode is going to be a little bit more Devi, a little bit C2C focused here. So a little bit of a different, uh, a little bit of a change up here from our normal Canton bound. But I think this is, uh, this is going to be a good discussion here. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, some of the top players in C2C this year based on ADP. Um, And this kind of comes from a discussion that I had with a friend of mine, Brandon Hay, um, at HayB3 on Twitter about some of the top of the C2C drafts this year. It's kind of a weird year. There's a lot of uh, proven production that has gone. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about some of the top guys this year uh, and you know what we should what we should be doing with, with some of these guys. Before we get into that, though, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for other NFL or CFF content, uh, Fantasy Points is a great resource for this. You can head on over there and sign up for a membership. Uh, So looking at some of the top players in C2C drafts this year, now I'm going to look at this is some very, very early ADP. Uh, we only have a few mock drafts in, so this is definitely subject to change, especially as spring practices come into play here. We start seeing who's looking good. Um, you know, as players can still transfer out. So there's going to still be a lot of shakeup here in these. But looking at last year's ADP, half of the players from the top 50 of last year's August ADP are gone. The top uh, top twenty five of those guys. Um, here you're talking about guys with proven production, um, guys like Bijan and Gibbs and Zach Evans and JSN and Boutte and Addison and Bryce Young and Stroud and even down into guys like uh, you know Kendry Miller and Jaden Reed was going pretty highly last year. Dontavian Wicks was going pretty highly last year as well. Um, Thirty nine of the top one hundred players from last year's ADP uh, and from August's ADP are gone. Um, But also some of the names in that top 100 from last year that are still around include guys like Jermaine Burton, Tyler Buckner, Kamar Wheaton, Kanata Mumfield, Isaiah Nayor, Taylor Shetron, Eric Gilbert, Keon Grays. Uh, There's only one of those names that you're going to see in the top 100 as of right now. And I actually expect him to fall out of the top 100 Um, But we'll get to him then a little bit later. Um, Starting with the QB positions here, um, I'll just run through them real quick. Um, It's Caleb Williams, Drake May, Quinn Ewers, Drew Aller, Malachi Nelson, uh, Dante Moore, Cade Klubnick, Arch Manning, Connor Wigman, Nico Iamalieva, Devin Brown, Jackson Arnold, Ty Simpson, Kyle McCord, Jordan Travis, Cam Ward, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Shador Sanders. All of those guys are currently going in the top 100 after a few drafts here. Again, this is definitely subject to change here, especially the uh, the Ohio State guys. I would expect one of them to stay in that range and maybe even raise up a little bit, and the other one will fall out once we know uh, more definitively who the starter is going to be, although at this point, uh, I think we're putting our, our eggs in the Kyle McCord basket. Uh, I'm not ready to write off Brown yet, but McCord will definitely get the first crack at it here. But looking at these guys in the top 100 so far, I mean, it's hard to argue with those top two for sure. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Um, I, I think everybody pretty much universally likes those guys, although we have seen you know, uh, two years ago where DJU, Spencer Rattler, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, all of those guys, were, we felt pretty good about them. And and now, um, you know, with the, with the benefit of hindsight, not, uh, not great picks in that range. So QBs can always bust, but I think we feel good about these two. 
You know, we have Quinn Ewers checking in at the next spot. Uh, he's at 10 um, with an ADP of 10.4. Back into the first, I think we feel pretty good about him still, too. I know he had a bit of a rough year last year at times, but I still believe in his talent. I think it's reflecting that a lot of other people do as well. You know, then you're looking at Drew Aller. Uh, he was a five-star guy last year. He looked good in um but he did only have 60 pass attempts last year. So still a pretty small sample size there. So that's a, you're, you're betting a lot on the talent here at taking him at his ADP right now, which is 15. And that's kind of a common theme that you're going to see with a lot of these players, not just the quarterbacks, but uh, across all of the positions is there's not nearly as much of that proven production, not nearly as many of those Caleb Williams, Drake May type guys. Um, and at other positions, it'll actually be even worse. But, you know, Drew Aller is a guy that you have to bet on your eval of him prior to last year. I mean, he hasn't he looked good in the limited work, but it is really limited work. 60 pass attempts. You know, <laughs> we saw, uh, you know, Will Rogers could hit that in one game, maybe, you know, Um <laughs> Not a lot of, of work there. You're relying on your eval. And now not everybody's comfortable doing that. Yeah, everybody likes the you like the a lot of people like the production there. And then if you if you feel that way about Aller, you know, the next couple of guys here, you got Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, they're freshmen. We have five freshmen right now with ADPs of 40 or higher, and two of them with a 25 or higher. And that was Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore. Um, you see Arch Manning with an ADP of 31, Nico, Jackson Arnold, all five of those guys, 40 or higher right now. So uh, freshmen are taking over the tops of the draft there. You have to, again, rely on a lot of projection with them. Now, with the freshmen, I think it's pretty safe because I don't think any of these guys start day one. Dante Moore, probably the closest, uh, but you know we, we've hashed that debate out uh, on Debbie Debate. Niku Yamalieva, maybe he gets some time here this year as well. We'll see how that shakes out. But either way, I think a lot of these guys have some insulated value. So I think they are relatively safe, although still inside the top 40, that is, uh, that's still a gamble. Um, but then we, we look at another guy right around that range, Connor Wigman. Uh, he played in five games last year, 132 pass attempts. So that's not a huge sample size either. Now he looked good in those games, and, and we I think we feel pretty good about him as well. But again, guys, uh, small sample size, so you have to rely on some projection there a little bit. You know, then you're looking at Cade Klubnik in that range too. He has a hundred career pass attempts, still some projection there. Now he gets the new OC and Garrett Riley, so I think you can rely on some CFF production from him there this year actually, which is. You know, not something we we would have thought we would have been saying about Clemson prior to Garrett Riley coming there. Uh, whereas with Connor Wegman, you know, maybe he ends up being a back end QB two for you. He'll have some startable weeks, but he's not somebody that I really want to rely on as a starter. So you're looking at the Devi potential there with with Wig with Wegman, whereas Club Dick, maybe you get a little bit of the CFF production. Uh, and then you look at the two Ohio State guys. You know, Kyle McCord actually only has 58 career pass attempts over two years. So even though he has more experience, it's not like he has a ton of experience here. Um, Devin Brown barely played at all last year. I think he got like a couple of snaps. That's about it. But McCord with the leg up. But one of these guys is going to need to drop a little bit. Now, if McCord wins the job and he plays well this year, there's a good chance that he parlays that into an NFL, uh, a first round NFL draft capital. That's within the range of outcomes for him to leave at play well and leave after this year, which would open the door for Devin Brown. So you would at least feel a little bit better about that if Devin Brown decides to stick around, but that's still a pretty prohibitive price tag there to this early, you know, inside the top 40 to be relying on the guy, not transferring and winning a job a year out. You know, then you kind of look at some of the next guys here. Ty Simpson, similar boat to Devin Brown, Kyle McCord, although I th you're, you're seeing Jalen Milrow nowhere near this range. And I think that's with good reason. I think Ty Simpson's probably the guy who wins that job. But again, still projection. You still have to rely on your freshman evaluation of Simpson. You know, same like you would have to do with Brown here. If you were a fan of them, 
it's going to require patience and you're going to have to keep being a fan. It's not as it's not like Drew Aller and Kate Klubnick and Connor Wigman, where these guys are going to start for sure. You know, Simpson and Brown, not quite as not quite as sure. So the top 12 quarterbacks here, there's not a lot of proven commodities. You know, the next group down, you're looking then at Jordan Travis, Cam Ward, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, all of the, those four all have at least one full year of starting under their belt. You know, I think we're, we feel pretty safe with, with some of these guys, but Jordan Travis, I don't know how, what type of an NFL future I see out of him at this point. He had, he did take a strides as a passer last year without a doubt, but I think he still needs to take strides as a passer. He still needs to anticipate and read some defenses better. Uh, and not rely quite as much on his legs. He's also not the biggest guy. He's only six foot one. Um, Cam Ward, he struggled last year at times. He made the jump from FCS up to Power Five. Not an easy jump. So he still has a lot of tools that look good, but he also has a lot of flaws in his game too uh, that he's going to have to correct this year to justify that draft position. Because if you're taking a guy this high, you want somebody with an NFL future because if you're just if you're just looking for CFF production, which you can get out of Travis and Ward, you can get that far later from guys like Riley Leonard, who you're getting two years from uh, Riley Leonard, quarterback from Duke. You know, he's going significantly later and you can get him and have just as good a production and, and secure a different position up this high. So I don't like taking these quarterbacks here unless you believe in their nfl future you know you have to believe that they're going to be first round picks early second round picks at worst to justify taking them here and i just don't see it out of these two guys just yet um same kind of with the next two and jj mccarthy and bo Nix. now uh burning the red shirt and, and uh campus to canton member here um chris k is a big fan of jj mccarthy he thinks he's gonna have a really nice cff year I don't necessarily know if I agree with that at this point, um, but maybe. I mean, he, he does have some mobility with his legs, so maybe he provides some value here. But I think if you're taking him in this range, you're mostly relying on his Devi potential. And he looked okay at times last year, and he looked completely lost at other times. I still think he's a long way to go as a passer, you know, reading defenses. That offense really simplified things for him last year, and they were very run-heavy. So I, I don't know what his NFL future is at this point. I don't feel great about saying he's a first round pick, but you know, I, I think he could get there. He's much more likely to get there than any of these other guys in this in this Jordan Travis, Cam Ward, Bo Nix uh, range. It leads it to Bo Nix. Bo Nix QB one last year, QB two, depending on the scoring format. Um, phenomenal CFF year, but he loses Kenny Dillingham. He loses his offensive coordinator. Now he's going to get. Willie Stein coming in and I feel pretty good about the offense there as a whole staying at a good level. But Bo Nix is also definitely due for some rushing touchdown regression. Like that's just, it was just not sustainable from the production from last year. And I don't think Bo Nix is a first round or early second round uh, NFL quarterback at this point either. I mean, he's going to have to take some significant strides as well. I think the NFL at this point kind of views him how they view him. I don't know if, that is going to change. And in order, if he came back to school after his offensive coordinator left, I don't think he got the word from the NFL that he wanted to. So while you could get some really high end CFF production from him, his, his ADP of 95 is a little bit more palatable, but it's not one that I would take here. I, again, you can get productive CFF quarterbacks later Austin Reed, Riley Leonard, um, a number of other guys later and get at least similar production. And with Riley Leonard getting two years, I mean, with Bo, with with Austin Reed, you know you're getting a ton of passing volume there. I mean, even guys like Dylan Gabriel, you can get him significantly later. Um, Daquan Finn, Frank Harris, um, if you want something a little bit more secured with Frank Harris, you can get those guys later. And I don't think they're going to be that big of a drop off in CFF production. I don't see Bo Nix worth taking in the top 100 here. And then, then the last one is, is Shador Sanders. He's jumping up from the FCS level. I don't know what 
people are doing taking Shador Sanders this high. This is a huge jump. I don't think he's refined at all as a passer. Um, it's at least encouraging that uh, Kent State's head coach, whose name is escaping me right now, is is going over to um, Colorado to be the offensive coordinator. He's run some very productive offenses, so maybe Shadur Sanders provides some CFF, nice CFF value. I think that's a good possibility, but I don't see it from him as a Debbie perspective right now. He is significant steps that he needs to take as a quarterback uh, and that's just too early for me there i think in terms of quarterbacks this is the year to if you don't get one of those top guys if you don't get the caleb williams drake may quinn ewers Aller, one of the freshmen um, some of those guys that i was talking about earlier in the top 12 i think you just wait it's it's the type of year where there's not a lot of pro- NFL type guys in the middle that I feel that great about. Like I have Bo Nix as my QB 15. So I, I don't hate that pick, but I just think that the tear break between him and some of these other guys is not nearly as big. Um, Jaden Daniels, another guy you can get later. And, and he's also should have a really nice CFF year as well. At least, um, you know, some other guys, it, Sam Hartman, Preston Stone, um, you taking up one of the other freshmen, maybe Lincoln Kineholtz going to Ohio State. You can get all of those guys significantly later, and I don't see a huge difference between him, those guys, and and Bo Nix and Jordan Travis and JJ McCarthy. So, I think this is a year where you wait on quarterbacks. Moving into the running backs, we have, uh, you know, I'll, there's definitely more here, and I'm not going to read off all of these guys, but the guys at the top. You know them. You feel comfortable with those guys. If you can secure one of them, you feel good about it. Like Singleton, Sanders, uh, Nick Singleton, running back Penn State, Raheem Sanders, running back Arkansas, Travion Henderson, running back Ohio State, Braylon Allen, running back Wisconsin, Quinshawn Judkins, running back Ole Miss. All of those guys, I think you feel pretty good about them. Um, When you start getting into the next group down, you know, you still feel pretty good about those guys, but maybe just a little bit less so. You're, you're Donovan Edwards running back in Michigan, Will Shipley running back in Clemson, Branson Robinson running back at Georgia, Blake Corum also running back from Michigan, Trevante Citizen running back from Miami. Um, uh, you start to feel pretty good about those guys, although Citizen's coming off of a knee injury. He did miss that whole year last year, so you are relying on the product on the projection from him as well, um, similar to the way you were with those quarterbacks. And then once you get after that, there's there's a lot of question marks here. You know, we're looking at in no particular order in this range. You're looking at guys like Devin Neal. Um, now he had 1,200 scrimmage yards last year, 10 touchdowns, so pretty productive CFF year. But what is his NFL future? I mean, from a, a size standpoint, he's nearly identical to what Sean Tucker was. Um, I think from a production standpoint, now. Sean Tucker's year two was significantly better than Devin Neal was year two, which was last year. And, but Sean Tucker's year three, this past year actually mirrors pretty closely to what Devin Neal's was with 1200 scrimmage yards and 10 touchdowns. So I think from a a production standpoint as well, I think those guys are probably going to be pretty close athletically. They're not that far off either. Um, Sean Tucker, probably more of a straight line is probably faster in a straight line than Neil, but I think they're both pretty good athletes. They both catch the ball pretty well. So Sean Tucker is going to be a pretty good test case here for how the NFL will likely view Devin Neal as well. Um, so if you believe in Sean Tucker, then yeah, I mean, I think you could take Devin Neal in this range too. I don't think he's a bad pick by any means there, but as NFL future is a little bit murkier than some other guys, maybe that you would want. Um, other guys in this range here, you got Jace McClellan running back from Alabama, Jam Miller, uh, Jamarian Miller running back from Alabama, who is now apparently going by Jam, uh, Justice Haynes running back Alabama. All three of those guys at Alabama have an ADP of 45 or higher right now. Um, three guys at the same school at the same position going that high, that's tough. They can't obviously all return on ADP this year you're definitely relying on on your evaluation of those guys. And I think it is pick your, pick your guy, you know, pick who you think is going to be the guy. I think Jace McClellan, we feel pretty good about probably being the guy this year. He's the one that I think definitely belongs in this range. And then Miller and Haynes, it's kind of a coin flip out of which of those two guys is going to be 
the next guy up. I mean, the one guy that's not in this list is uh, from Alabama is uh, Roydell Williams, also running back there. But I think he'll have a role. So I think that's going to limit Jam Miller and Justice Haynes this year. So if you're taking them this high, again, you're relying on you're looking at with an eye to the future and you're relying on your evaluation of them. You know, you're looking at other guys in this range, Jadon Blue. Uh, he had 15 carries last year. You know, he's the RB5 on his team. Three of those running backs are still around. They do bring in the top running back this year in Cedric Baxter, at least Camps to Canton's top running back this year. Uh, he had a great, Jaden Blue had a great production profile uh, or a recruiting profile. So, you know, if you still believe in him, I, I understand that. I still believe in him. I still think he's a talented running back. I think he's going to get some work this year. Um, how much remains to be seen, but taking him this high is, is a risk. I mean, he's at ADP of 58.8 right now, and that's just that's just too high, honestly. And as much as I like Jaden Blue, it's tough to to stomach that at that spot unless he transfers and relying on a transfer is not always uh it, it can be a fool's game sometimes other guys here you're looking at guys with split backfields guys like katron allen and trevor etn um the, both of those guys are rb2s in their backfield last year and they have you know katron allen is always probably going to be the rb2 there with devin with um nicholas singleton Trevor Etienne, I think, at least has a shot to overtake Montrell Johnson this year at Florida. But uh, Billy Napier, it, it always runs a, a split backfield there. So Trevor Etienne is probably never going to return that much CFF value. So again, then you're looking at Debbie value. And kind of the same thing with Katron Allen. Probably it's going to be tough to pick the weeks to start him. You're relying on some Debbie value. So I don't think they're bad picks in this range either. I like both of these guys, but um, there are a few in this range that you know you, you think you feel pretty good about in terms of at least production at the college level. Guys like Damian, Damian Martinez at Oregon State feel good that he's going to produce again this year. A big year last year. He should produce in that Oregon State offense this year. We like Oregon State running backs. They just kind of produce it year in, year out. Uh, and Damian Martinez, the big question with him is what his NFL future is. Um, right now, he's going off the board at, at 61st overall. Um, his athletic comparisons on our on our website, they're actually a pretty good list there. It's got Evan Hall as the top guy, but then other guys on the list, Damien Harris, Branson Robinson, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara. So if he can athletically compare to those guys, I think that at least bodes well for his NFL future. He should have some sort of a role at the level that level and you're looking at at least two more years of production so i think he's a really nice pick here in this range i would honestly probably move him up a couple of spots compared to some of the other guys who are going ahead of him right now are katron allen trevor etn and Jaden blue um you know then you're also looking at carson Steele. now he is transferring up at, at ucla he is transferring up from ball state to the power five level uh, and he does have TJ Harden in the backfield with him, who ran for 325 yards last year on 44 carries. So small sample size, but and I know yards per carry isn't the best metric to use, which his was 7.4. Um, but it is a good scheme. It's a good offensive line. So I think that you know he can be relatively efficient again this year. And if he gets some work, he could be a thorn in Steele's side. And then after that, what is Carson Steele's NFL future? I think. It's a little bit murky, similarly to Damian Martinez. I don't know how comfortable I feel projecting him to day two draft capital at this point. But if you're looking for the CFF production, you should get it from him at least. Uh, he's going off the board at RB or at um, 78.6. So a little bit able to stomach that a little better um, than some of these other guys here. Like the guy right behind him, who is his exact same ADP of 78.6, it's Andrew Paul at Georgia. You know, he was hurt in the fall. Um, they bring in Roderick Robinson. Uh, they they do lose Kenny McIntosh, but Branson Robinson's still there. Kendall Milton's still there. I believe Dejon Edwards is still there. So it's a, a, a competitive backfield. And as much as we liked Andrew Paul last year heading into it, it's there's, there's a lot to prove for him this year. And it's tough to take him in that range. And then another guy coming back from missing all last year, Alton McCaskill going right behind him, running back at Houston. That's another tough situation. You know, he will be in the power five this year, which I think that'll help him a little bit. Um, 
but he missed all year last year. He's going to have to, he's going to have his work cut out for him. He's going to have to claim that backfield back again. And it's far from a guarantee that he does that. Um, other guys in this range, you got Trey Benson, Florida state, who's somebody I feel pretty good about the Florida state backfield, uh, typically produces, he produced very well last year. Trayshawn Ward, the other guy who was in that backfield with him and Lawrence Toa Feely, Ward, Trayshawn Ward's off to Kansas state now. So one less mouth to feed there. I think Trey Benson's a good, uh, uh belongs in this range. Marshawn Lloyd, the running back at USC is in this range as well transferring from south carolina uh he's a guy that i believe in personally i I liked his talent and i think this is a really good opportunity for him at usc he had some nice games at the end of the year at the end of the year there in south carolina this past year where he had a a really nice four-game stretch two of them against weak fcs competition um or one was fcs one was charlotte who you know bottom of the barrel FBS. The other two were Kentucky and Texas A&M. So take that however you want. But with Marshawn Lloyd, he barely topped 500 yards last year. He has seven games in his career with double digit carries, two games over 15 carries. So he's far from a proven commodity. And while I think he's the most talented running back at USC, uh, there are a lot of bodies in that backfield that he will have to climb over. Um, guys like Austin Jones, guys like Relique Brown, Darwin Barlow is still there, um, who some people like him. Uh, they bring in two freshmen. So I think he'll get the work there, but again, far from a guarantee. You know, um, Mike Valerie at, at, at a website, uh, FF Dirty Mike, uh, he and I went back and forth uh, the other day about Marshawn Lloyd. Um, so Marshawn Lloyd definitely has his detractors out there as well. You know, then you're looking at guys in this range too, like Jay Knott. Two are two running backs just transferred in to Cal to compete with Jade Knott in Byron Cardwell and Justin Williams Thomas. Both of those guys had a better recruiting profile than Jade Knott. Um, uh, Jade Knott will be a better receiving back. He was last year, but how much of that rushing workload is he going to get? If you're going to take him in this range, uh, you kind of want him to at least be the lead running back on the team there. And and I don't know that that's a guarantee at this point. We'll have to see how spring shakes out. But they also, Cal also has a new offensive coordinator in um, Jake Sp- Spavottle. Uh, he was the head coach at Texas State for the last three years. That offense was not very good. The team was not very good. They went 13 and 35. So it's not like this is going to be a highly productive offense either. Um, so I think Jay Knott's tough to take in that range. And then, you know, a couple other guys you're looking at in that range um, are Jarquez Hunter from Auburn. Now they have a, a new head coach there this year, but I actually like the addition of Hugh Freeze for Jarquez Hunter. So I think he belongs in this range. Caleb Johnson, the running back from Iowa. Uh, he actually led the team in carries last year. He looked good last year as a true freshman but it is still an Iowa offense. So if you're a little scared off, it's hard to blame you there, but I think Caleb Johnson probably belongs in this range as well. Maybe in the back half um, closer to that ADP of like a hundred. And then two other guys with split backfields, three other guys with split backfields in Javante Barnes, Ashton Genty and George Petaway, all freshmen from last year. Um, Genty and Barnes looked good. But again, they're both going to be splitting backfields. Barnes at Oklahoma, probably with Gavin Sawchuck. Uh, Ashton Genty at Boise State. You're going to be looking at George Halani there with him. So how much CFF production are you going to get from those guys? Probably going to be have to rely on the Debbie value. And then at that point, it's hard to say. Now, Genty will have uh, an extra year next year where Halani will be gone. And potentially two years as the lead back with Halani gone. So... You know, if you can wait a year on Gene T, you could be looking at at least two years uh, of really solid production. Or if he does leave after his junior year, that probably bodes pretty well for his NFL future. And then on George Petaway, uh, at that point, I mean, he had 20 carries last year. He was the RB5 on his team in carries. All of the other running backs ahead of him are still there. New offensive coordinator. He's a touch small as well. So if you're scared off by him in this range, it's hard to blame you too. Another guy you kind of have to rely on your initial eval for here. So, again, you're seeing a theme here with these running backs where once you get out of those top groups, kind of like the quarterbacks, you don't really feel that great about any of these guys 
unless they're guys you felt really good about last year, in which case it's hard to blame you for for taking them in that range. You know, and, and I know it seems like I'm probably trashing a lot of the guys in this range here. Um, and I think some of these guys can be can be fine picks in this range, especially if you believe in them. Like I said, you, you kind of have to trust your eval this year more than any other year. But I just think there are better options in this range than the guys that are currently going there. Um, some guys that I like that in this range that uh, have not that do not currently have an ADP in the top 100 uh, for the running back position. I like EJ Smith uh, running back out of Stanford. I think he he had a really he had a really nice start to the year last year. Catches the ball really well. Good size. It's a little limited athletically, but in comes uh, the head coach from Sacramento State. Uh, and, and he runs extremely run heavy offense and EJ Smith's really the only guy left in that backfield. Um, so I think that EJ Smith could have a really nice year this year. Um, so I, he's a guy that I would consider in this range too. Ali Gordon running back at Oklahoma state. Another guy I would consider here in this range. Um, Dominic Richardson transferred out. He's now at Baylor uh, so I think Ali Gordon's really going to lead this backfield here. They they brought in uh, Sean Taylor for a minute uh, at running back previously of Western Michigan, but he ended up going to Minnesota. So Ali Gordon really should have that backfield to himself. We like Oklahoma State running backs. Uh, he should be pretty productive in terms uh, of the CFF side of things. I think he'll be a guy that you'll be able to start uh, most weeks there. And then coming from Oklahoma State, he has some uh, NFL potential. Uh, I think he's a little bit limited athletically. Now, our athletic comp uh, tool. I do think he is a little bit limited athletically, which might be what what holds him back. But you're going to get at least two years of production from him in Oklahoma State. So I think taking that in this range is in, inside the top 100, maybe towards the back end of it, uh, is is a good bet there. Jaquindon Jackson running back at Utah, uh, formerly a quarterback at Texas. Uh, I think he's, he's a big guy. He's like 6'2", 220-ish. I mean, he's very athletic. Uh, he's a guy that I would take in this range. We like Utah running backs. Uh, Tavian Thomas is gone and Jaquina Jackson finished the year very, very strong. So Jaquina Jackson's a guy that I would take in this range over a lot of the other guys, uh, you know, that were ahead of him, uh, in some of these spots, uh, you know, McCaskills, um, Kendall Milton was in this range too. I would take, um, him over, over Milton, um, Petaway, Gene T, Caleb Johnson, I don't think Caleb Johnson is necessarily a bad pick. Gene T not necessarily a bad pick, but uh, I would definitely take take Jackson ahead of those guys. Uh, and then you have Cartavius Norton at at Iowa State as well. Uh, he's a guy that we liked last year, decent year, not a great year, um, but he started to come on a little bit there. Jirel Brock, I think, is just not the guy. So uh, as J Cartavius Norton's a guy that I still believe in. I would probably take him in the back half of the top one hundred there. Uh, and then Dallin Hayden running back at Ohio state. He's a guy that you're going to have to take with an eye more towards next year. Um, but you know, what Travion likely goes and Maya Williams likely goes Ohio state really hasn't been a team that's taken advantage of the portal very much. Um, so I don't know. If, I don't think I see them bringing in a running back out of the portal uh, unless it's, you know, maybe like a, just kind of a backup guy. I, I think Dallin Hayden, this is going to be his job next year. So if you can wait a little bit, you could take him here. But Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams were banged up last year. Dallin Hayden came in and looked very good. If one of those guys goes down again, Dallin Hayden could be worth something here for you this year as well. Um, you know, and then uh, there's a couple other guys in this range too. Roman Hemby, Ramon Davis, maybe. Um, I would start to consider them here. Treshawn Ward at Kansas State's a guy that I like as well, uh, formerly from Florida State. So all of those guys, I think, are are guys that aren't in this range that maybe should be in, for the running back position. Uh, moving into the wide receivers then, this is, uh, again, a situation where there's a lot of proven production that left, but I do think there is some good 
wide receivers left this year, especially at the top. I mean, you're looking at the two guys from Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Egbuka. We feel good about them. Luther Burden from Missouri, Xavier Worthy from Texas, Evan Stewart from Texas A&M. Um, those guys I think we all feel pretty good about as well. Now, Xavier Worthy does struggle with some drops. Uh, don't know exactly what his role is going to be at the next level. Uh, at the NFL level, whether he'll be able to lead a team, uh, lead a wide receiver room, especially in terms of fantasy production, it's hard to say. But uh, we at least feel pretty good about him overall. Uh, and I think he'll be pretty productive this year for CFF too with a better Texas team uh, and, and hopefully a better Quinn Ewers. But then after those guys, you get down into the next group here and there's definitely some questions. Um you know, you have uh, Barry and Brown in this range who he had a really nice year last year. Um, Devin Leary is coming in as the quarterback at Kentucky this year. I feel like that's probably going to be a pretty good quarterback, but who's he going to have after that? That's hard to say. I think you'll be pretty productive with him. So we feel pretty good about him as well. Um, same with Antonio Williams, who's also going here for a wide receiver from Clemson. We feel pretty good about him. Uh, he did lead the team last year in uh receiving um in two of the three receiving categories he led the team with um, 56 catches 604 yards um he did not lead in touchdowns but it, we feel pretty good about him but then there's two other white clums and wide receivers in the top 100 of adp as well with adam randall and bo collins so three clums and wide receivers with an adp of actually 70 or higher so all three of them are in the top 100 and they're all three comfortably within the top 100. I see all three of these guys staying in this range. Uh, Adam Randall, the freshman from last year, tore his ACL in spring, somehow miraculously made it back for pretty much all of the season. Non-year 1-0. He did have 10 catches last year. He hit that towards the end, so that's a good sign. But he's competing with Bo Collins. Uh, Bo Collins had 22 catches last year, uh, which is actually behind two tight ends and Joe Ngata. Um, but Bo Collins has a lot of uh, had a lot of truthers heading into this year. I think he is still a good wide receiver. It's just how you're going to break down the the split between Randall and Williams, and, and probably all three of these guys will, or um, Randall and Collins. Probably all three of these guys will get on the field with Randall, Williams, and Collins. Randall and Collins on the outside, Williams in the slot. But they can't all be very productive. They can't all be productive. You know, they are getting Garrett Riley as the offensive coordinator, who we definitely feel better about um, than the previous regime. Like I mentioned when we talked about Kate Klubnik, but I still don't think this is going to support three fantasy relevant wide receivers. So now you're looking at um, pretty much strictly the Debbie potential for the bigger guys in Collins and Randall. And, you know, it comes down to which guy you believe in. Another guy here, you got Malik Neighbors, wide receiver for LSU. He led the team last year by a good margin uh, in receiving 72 catches, 1,017 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, but this is not a, a high-volume passing offense. This is not a, an offense that's going to throw for a lot of touchdowns either. Jaden, Especially if Jaden Daniels wins the job. Um, he is, is a, a dual-threat dual quarterback, so he's a threat to run the ball in every time. Malik Neighbors, again, last year, three touchdowns. You know, uh, and he was second on the team. There was somebody else had four. That was that was it. Um, he averaged 11 fantasy points per game last year. So wide receiver 129 overall. So you're not really getting much in a CFF production from him. You have to rely on your evaluation on him for for Devi. And I think he's a tough one right now because I don't know exactly how he translates to the next level. I think he can be a wide receiver one at the next level, but another guy you kind of have to rely on your evaluation for. Um, Troy Franklin. Wide receiver from Oregon, similar boat as neighbors, where I don't necessarily know what his role at the NFL level is going to be, but at least Franklin was the wide receiver 45 last year uh, for CFF. And I think I feel fairly good about him maintaining that level. So you'll get some NFL product or some CFF production from him. So I think he's a, a pretty solid bet in this range. You know, but then another guy in this range, Mario Williams, uh, wide receiver for USC, he was a wide receiver three on his own team last year behind Taj Washington and Jordan Addison. He was barely ahead of Brendan Rice. They bring in two very talented freshmen this year in um, uh, Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon. So I don't 
know what kind of CFF production I see from Mario Williams. And then another guy who what's his NFL future. I feel less certain about his than neighbors and Franklin. I think he's just always going to be a complimentary wide receiver. So I don't really believe he belongs in this range. He's his ADP right now, 49.8. That's too high. I think uh, I'd, I'd rather take a shot on some of these other guys or some of the freshmen. I'm jury on Dickey wide receiver going to Oregon, a freshman, I'd probably rather take a shot on him, honestly. I mean, he's he's at least got the prototypical size. Troy Franklin likely gone next year, like I was talking about, uh, you know, w- with with Oregon. Um, and Bo Nix will probably go. Troy Franklin will probably go. Jerry on Dickey will still be there. So you could look at some maybe produ- maybe getting some production from him after Troy Franklin goes. And then I think he projects a little bit better to the NFL than Mario Williams does, at least in terms of being an alpha or, or a, a higher end fantasy wide receiver. Um, you know, then after that, you're looking at guys like uh, who, who aren't quite as uh, proven in, um, you know, Chris Marshall, wide receiver heading to Ole Miss. He transferred from Texas A&M, very raw wide receiver coming out last year as a freshman. And he got kicked off his own team. Uh, you know, he's right or wrong. You know, whatever you think about the reason he got kicked off the team, he was allegedly caught smoking um, weed in the locker room after a game. Uh, that team was kind of in shambles. I think this is a better opportunity for him, but he's still a huge projection. Uh, so another guy you have to kind of rely on your evaluation of, and he's going as uh, at 71, the ADP of 71. So you still have to, Spend up to get him. Um, let's take a gamble there. And then another raw wide receiver there, Hakeem Williams, who's a f- incoming freshman going to Florida State. Uh, similar mold there where he's so raw. And they're both going to be on pass uh, on run heavy teams. Um, now, Norvell passes at a league average rate, at least over the last two years. Um, so that can, it's not a necessarily a negative for Hakeem Williams, but. It, he's not, you can't rely on the volume. And then who's the quarterback going to be after uh, Jordan Travis leaves for Florida State? We don't really know. So we don't know what the projection is for the future there for Williams. So another guy you're probably relying on the Debbie value for, for Williams and Marshall. Um, they have sky high potential, but they could definitely bust in this range. And, and I know some people are a little bit more risk averse. Uh, and then, you know, outside of them, you're looking at Dominic Lovett. A wide receiver from Georgia who transferred to or a wide receiver from Missouri who transferred to Georgia this year. Uh, we all know that the Georgia is not going to have CFF production for, for the wide receiver room. So you have to hope for the Debbie potential for him as well. Uh, I think that's a little high for him. I don't necessarily know that uh, love it should go in this range here, but uh, he is a fast, he's fast, um, a deep threat. He's got solid size, so maybe he can put it together, but, I don't necessarily know if I believe in that one. Um, you know, and then you're also looking at Lorenzo Styles in this range here too, who <laughs> he was the wide room rece- leading wide receiver for Notre Dame last year, averaging six fantasy points per game. That wide receiver room was not very good last year. The quarterback and the passing game were not very good last year. Now they do bring in Sam Hartman, so that should that should definitely improve. They do also get a new offensive coordinator. Uh, with Tommy Reese heading to Alabama. I think that could probably help him here as well. Um, but another guy with with, project, with projection. Um, and then uh, you're also looking at the, the Alabama trio here in this range. We talked about three Clemson wide receivers. There's three Alabama wide receivers here in Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, and Isaiah Bond. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks led the team last year in touchdowns, and he was second on the team in yards and receiving. He finishes the wide receiver 112 in fantasy. Jermaine Burton led the team in yards and receiving. He's a wide receiver 146. Uh, both of those guys are back, but neither one of them is was particularly valuable for CFF last year. They get a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese, as I mentioned with uh, Lorenzo Styles. What is that production going to look like this year? It's not something that I feel comfortable relying on. So again, looking at some Debbie potential in these guys. Um, that's that's one of the themes of the wide receivers in the top 100 this year is 
they're mostly Devi guys. Last year, we looked at guys who we thought had some nice, uh, nice production or would give us some nice production. Guys like Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, um, even guys from the Washington offense. Like I liked um, Jalen McMillan. Now he was, he probably fell a little outside of this range. He was at the very back half of that 100 if he snuck into it. But we felt good about production there from him. Um, but and Isaiah Bond going back to the the Alabama room, uh, he had 17 catches last year, uh, which you know not a year one zero, so that's good. But in terms of wide receivers ahead of him, he only loses Trayshawn Holden, uh, and they bring in three wide receivers in this class in uh, Jalen Hale, Jaron Hamilton, and Malik Benson, who is a guy that a lot of people like. So there's a lot of competition in this room. I guarantee you that these three wide receivers are not going to all. If you take people who take these wide receiver, the Bama wide receivers in the top 100, two of you are probably going to regret it. Um, I don't know which two it's going to be. I don't think anybody does at this point, but at least two people are going to regret taking them this high. It's tough at the same time. One of them could hit and one of them could hit big because we have seen Alabama wide receivers be very productive uh, and get that draft capital. So one of them could hit and one of them could hit big. It's just a gamble on which one it's going to be. A couple other guys in this range here before we, we move into tight ends and then wrap it up. Um, Tyron Smith, uh, the wide receiver from UTEP who transferred to Texas A&M. Uh, stop it. Just just stop. Stop taking him in this range. That's not a good idea at all. He's completely redundant on that offense at Texas A&M now. He played 70% of the snaps in the slot last year. Uh, Moose Muhammad played 80% in the slot. Uh, Anias Smith played 68% in the slot when healthy last year and 67% the year before that. Muhammad and and Smith are both still there. Um, I don't know what Tyron Smith's role in this offense is going to be. He's also tiny. It's not going to provide CFF production. This is just objectively not a good pick. Please stop taking him in this range. Um, J- Jacob Cowing is going here. Um, J. Michael Sturdivant, Keon Coleman, Dante Cephas are some of the last guys that are going in this range. I think all of these guys belong in this range. The only problem with Jacob Cowing, I don't necessarily know what his potent- NFL potential is going to be. Uh, he's a fifth year wide receiver. He's five foot 11, 175. So he's a little smaller. Um, he should provide a lot of CFF value for you at least. And then, you know, maybe he gets, uh, early day three draft capital, and uh, he could maybe be something for you at the NFL level. It's kind of what you're hoping for. Sturdivant was a year one zero. Uh, his receiving yards per team pass attempt from last year weren't particularly great. Now he was the wide receiver 58 in terms of fantasy. So he provided at least some value for you, but he's going to be on a new team this year. It's going to be a new quarterback, and Chip Kelly runs a much more run-heavy offense. They run uh, at a a below average neutral game pass script. So I don't exactly know what Sturdivant's going to be in that offense this year, but I do think he's going to lead the team in wide receiving. I think he has a, some Debbie upside as well with his size and athleticism, even though he was a year one zero Keon Coleman wide receiver 56 from last year. He led Michigan state in all receiving categories. Um, Jaden Reed was second in all wide in all categories and he's gone. So I think Coleman is a guy that needs to rise up these the, the boards here a little bit um, ahead of some of these other guys who are a little less certain, you know, Keon Coleman wide receiver from Michigan state 99.4 is his ADP right now. And he has a basketball background. He, he's pretty athletic. I think you're going to get some CFF production. And I think you're going to get some Debbie production from him as well uh, at the NFL level. You may, maybe he's never a high end fantasy wide receiver for you, but I think he can be a really solid wide receiver too on an NFL team. So I think your Keon Coleman is a guy that, that should be going ahead of a lot of these other guys like um, Dominic Lovett, Chris Marshall. Um, I would probably even take him ahead of Dean Key. Um, so I, I would take him ahead of some of these guys here. And then last one, Dante Cephas, uh, Kent State wide receiver transferring uh, up to Penn State, up to the Power 5 level. Um, he was reportedly told by the Penn State staff that he would be the wide receiver one if he came to Penn State. Uh, Penn State was in on a lot of wide receivers this this transfer cycle, and he was the only one that they reportedly told he would be the wide receiver one if he came there. So they really wanted him. They got him. He's going to be attached to 
a quarterback that we like in Drew Aller. Uh, it will be a new quarterback. There are two dynamic running backs on this team, uh, and they passed at basically a league average rate last year. Um, given the new QB, the two running backs, I think they're going to be a little bit more run heavy. They'll skew a little that way, so maybe the volume isn't necessarily there. But this wide receiver room is wide open. So I think Dante Cephas at worst belongs in this range uh, and at, at best could move up a couple of spots. Now, at the wide receiver position here, there's a lot of guys in this range that I was mentioning. I probably don't necessarily belong here. So Tyron Smith, especially um, at Dominic Lovett, is probably is too high. Um, uh, Mario Williams, maybe a guy who should fall a little bit more than what he is. Um, Jermaine Burton, I don't think I would take him in this range here anymore either. Um, Dominic Lovett, probably also too high. Um, but some other guys that I, I would start to consider in this range here, um, Devontae Walker, the wide receiver at North Carolina, um, transferred in from Kent state. He's a big guy. He's a very athletic guy as well. Um, don't let that Kent state background fool you. Uh, he, he has some legitimate Debbie potential here, and I think he's going to be the wide receiver one there this year for Drake may. So he's a guy that I very much expect to start going in this range. Um, Adonai Mitchell, uh, wide receiver at Texas, uh, formerly of Georgia. I think he is a good shot to lead Texas in wide in receiving this year. You know, Austin said prior to this uh, Adonai Mitchell transfer uh, that he thought Jonte Cook, the freshman wide receiver coming into Texas, could lead Texas in wide in receiving. Uh, I think with Adonai Mitchell coming in, I think there's a good shot that he could do it as well. Um, Jojo Earl, wide receiver, formerly of Alabama, going to Tennessee or to, going to TCU. If Earl can stay healthy, TCU is going to be looking for a primary wide receiver. Uh, I, they don't typically feature the wide receiver in the slot in a Sonny Dykes offense, but uh, I think Sonny Dykes just kind of gets the ball. will get the ball to his best players. And right now, I think Jojo Earl is the best receiver on that team, most talented. So if he can stay healthy, he's a guy that I think deserves to be in this range still. Um, Jaleel Farouk, wide receiver from Oklahoma. I think he's in line to be the wide receiver one at Oklahoma. Uh, we just saw Marvin Mims have a very productive year last year. Uh, Marvin Mims is another guy who I didn't mention before uh, as a guy, who, you know, proven production, a guy who kind of went in this range last year that is, is also out the door. Um, but with Jaleel Farouk there at Oklahoma, I think he will put up similar numbers to Mims, maybe if not better. Uh, and I think he profiles to the NFL a little bit better as well. Marvin Mims is kind of an odd profile. He's a, a slot guy who stretches the field. He's a jump ball. It's just a weird profile. Um, so I look at Jaleel Farouk here as well. You know, And then Squirrel White, wide receiver going to Tennessee. Uh, he's finished the year strong, and I think he's going to take over that Jalen Hyatt role. Uh, in this Tennessee offense that likes to get vertical, he's going to be the vertical threat. He's going to have some boom weeks here this year. Um, they don't really have a proven, established wide receiver, but we know somebody's going to step up. Um, so I, I think Squirrel White deserves to go in this range. For nothing else, you're going to get two to three years of, of pretty high-end CFF production for him. Don't necessarily know what his NFL future is because he is on the small side, but the NFL hasn't minded taking super fast, small guys as much recently. So there could be some NFL potential here coming. Um, and then the last guy that, you know, I would start to maybe look at in this range is Dorian Singer, the wide receiver for USC transferred in from Arizona. Um, Singer, USC loses their top wide receiver in Jordan Addison. I was talking about how I, you know, I don't really think that Mario Williams is it as far as uh, a wide receiver leading this room. Uh, so I think there's a very good chance that it ends up being Singer. Um, so I think Singer's another guy who's going to find his way up here into this range. Uh, moving into the tight end around, tight ends to round it out. We got Brock Bowers, slam dunk. Not even going to really talk about that. Um, Jatavian Sanders, tight end from Texas, going at the pick 62.8. I think that's really solid for him there. I like that. I think he's got some CFF potential. I think he's got some Debbie potential. No qualms about that. Oscar Delp going off the board at, at uh, tight end for Georgia, going off the board at 87 ADP. Uh, I, I'm fine with that. I think he will. He'll get on the field this year. Georgia typically runs some two tight end sets. 
Uh, they are bringing in Mike Bobo, uh, a new offensive coordinator, after uh, their their previous offensive coordinator just took a uh, job at uh, Baltimore as the offensive coordinator there, T- Todd Monken. Um, but I still think they'll keep the offense mostly the same, or at least very, very similar. So Oscar Delp should get on the field this year. Then when Brock Bowers leaves, he'll step in. Um, it, Georgia's just a tight end factory. When when you're getting guys like um, what was that guy a couple of years ago, Jim Fitzpatrick, James Fitzpatrick, something like that. When you're getting guys like that drafted, it's a tight end factory. Um, so no qualms with that there. And then the other two guys though that are going in the top 100 are Michael Trigg, tight end from Ole Miss, and Jaheim Bell, tight end um, formerly of South Carolina, who transferred to Florida State. I don't think I would take either of these guys in this range. If I'm not getting either of those top three tight ends there, I'm waiting. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for a long time at tight end. Michael Trigg had 17 catches last year through seven games. Um, he's a guy that we did like a lot. He was battling some injuries last year. It wasn't a particularly good passing offense. Um, but I don't think that's going to change this year. I don't think it's going to be a good passing offense this year either. Uh, I think Jackson Dart is fine, but you're not going to see a lot of volume there for him. Uh, and Ole Miss also brought in Cade Prescore in the t- tight end formerly of Memphis in the portal. So he has some competition in a run-heavy offense. Uh, that's just a little bit too rich for me. I'm not off of Trig, but I'm not taking him inside the top 100. Uh, and then Jaheim Bell. Uh, he's he's small. He's 6'3", 230 pounds. Um, he's going to be on a new team. We don't know exactly what his role is going to be. Uh, Florida State doesn't particularly use the tight end a lot. Um, so I don't know how productive he'll be at the CFF level, especially because the, the only pass at like a league average rate. So you can't really rely on volume. Again, he's small. I don't know what that NFL potential is going to look like. His top athletic comp on our athletic comparison tool over at Campus to Canton is Gerald Everett. So maybe there's still a little hope. Uh, for him, for for the Devi side of things, but I still think that uh, this is too early. I don't really feel great about that projection, um, so I'm not really taking him inside the top 100 either. That's uh, really just Bowers, Sanders, uh, and Delp. Uh, but wrapping it up here with with the, the top 100, like I said, a lot of these guys are guys that you have to rely on on your your Devi evaluation for because the the proven production just isn't quite there uh, like had been in, in previous years. So this is a, a very weird year for C2C startups. I think you're going to feel really good about your first couple picks. And then as you get into rounds five through, let's even say eight, uh, nine-ish, you're, you're not going to feel quite as good about that. Um, I think that's going to be a good range to take some of these freshmen who will likely have some insulated value, um, particularly at the, at the wide receiver position. We feel really good about some of these freshman wide receivers like um, the, the guys going to USC and Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon. We feel pretty good about Jonte Cook. Um, we feel good about Jerion Dickey, uh, Brandon Innes as well. You know, and even some running backs in this range too, like Justice Haynes, Ruben Owens, Roderick Robinson. Um, I feel better about those guys than some of the guys who have been around for a little bit longer. I would almost rather take those guys and just kind of, you know, assume trust that they're going to take over the role at some point, trust my evaluation there. And if all else fails, they're going to retain their value a little bit better than if a guy like Javante Barnes at Oklahoma really struggles this year. I think he'll fall out of this range uh, and he'll fall pretty far. George Petaway, another guy probably will fall pretty far if he doesn't hit this year. You know, we're in that range with some of these guys where if we like the eval, we trust these guys. We we hope that they, they turn into what we wanted them to, but if they don't, we're going to see their value tank. So I, I think that this year in the startups, uh, you have to trust your eval. And I'm probably leaning on some freshmen. All right, that is going to do it for me here tonight. Uh, I will be back with you again on Campus Life. Uh, You're going to want to tune into that one. I have a a special guest in the books for this one. Uh, It's going to be an interesting show. It's going to be a good show. I think you guys will enjoy this one. 
Uh, but until next time, I'm Colin and have a good one.